98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. This is the K1 Podcast. Welcome to the K1 Podcast. I'm Kevin Zimmerman, joined by Rudy Carpenter. Cardinals coming off another disappointing performance, a 27-10 loss against the Seattle Seahawks. And Kyler Murray went 22 for 32 for 241 yards, had a key early interception, rushed for a touchdown and also rushed um, for 27 yards. Was this kind of same old story as week three defense dropping back, making him take the underneath roots um, and having him make a couple of mistakes that really played into the game's final score? Well, this game definitely did look similar to what we've seen um, in the previous you know, couple weeks. And really, I think what this comes down to for the Arizona Cardinals is we've been saying it on this podcast for the last couple of weeks is I think Kyler Murray is an upgrade from Josh Rosen. I think that Cliff Kingsbury has done a decent job creating more explosive plays and having more creativity than what Mike McCoy had last year. But this team is still talent deficient. They, this team from top to bottom has a very difficult time competing uh, in the NFL, but also uh, against high quality high quality teams in the NFL. And when you look at the the problems the Cardinals have, in my opinion, it's very, very easy to diagnose. One of the things we talked about on Doug and Wolf this morning is this. The Seattle Seahawks in this game, they played base defense to 10 personnel. And what that means is they had their normal front, their normal 4-3 defensive front, four down defensive linemen and three linebackers and four DBs. Normally when teams get into 10 personnel, which means you have one running back, no tight ends, and four wide receivers, teams will play what's called nickel defense, which means they take out a linebacker and they insert a DB, the Tyron Matthews of the world. The Seattle Seahawks are not threatened at all by the Arizona Cardinals and their wide receiving core and their explosiveness. They kept their three linebackers on the field and just played regular defense to this. And, And to me, that just shows how teams feel about the talent on the other side of the football when it comes to the Arizona Cardinals. But I think what really matters in this game and what we've seen is this is The Arizona Cardinals are really already a one-dimensional football team. They're a much better throwing team than they are a a running team. David Johnson's had issues. The offensive line has had issues. Now, when you couple that with the fact that they're they're a one-dimensional football team, they can't run the football, the offensive line has a hard time pass protecting against premier pass rushers, and then you add on top of that the fact that almost Instantly, in every game, they get down and behind points, which forces them to be even more one-dimensional. In the NFL, it's so hard to beat defenses when they know you're a one-dimensional football team, and we continue to see that. With that being said, though, we also see Kyler making some really, really great plays, moving around, off-schedule throws, off-balance throws, sidearm throws, creativity, some good runs, but it's just not enough when you're playing against NFL defenses. You can't turn the ball over. You can't have all these sacks, I think four sacks for 35 yards. You can't have a one-to-one touchdown-to-interception ratio on the year like he does with four touchdowns, four interceptions, and you can't you know, throw at a 62% completion percentage with like six yards per catch. You just can't win that way. He was dumping down to David Johnson a lot, and a lot of those yards, true, were off-busted plays. That one sidearm throw that you're referencing was a really awesome play where he spun out of some traffic, found David Johnson, threaded the needle, all that stuff, and he went for a big gain, but... 
when you look at this offense, I mean, the numbers, I don't have updated numbers for personnel groupings, but they've been in 10 personnel, I believe, like 60% of the time um, heading into this past week. And they've started to kind of filter in some tight end usage. Um, and the 11 personnel looks are actually looking a little better because Max Williams might be like, no one's talking about him, but he's playing really well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, when you look at what Steve Kime has assembled here, what Keyshawn Johnson had two catches last night, rookie. They even before the game, Cliff was like, maybe we'll get Andy Isabella some time, and they scripted in some stuff early on that first drive for him, and then we didn't really see him after that. Losing Christian Kirk just adds a whole nother loss of one of your top two receivers, who you're at least solid and know that he can get stuff done. So I mean, this looks like it might be getting worse as far as the talent deficiency and what does that mean for kyler because we already talked about last week so much is on top of him so much is on his arm so much is on the passing game i mean does your worry continue to grow about if he's trying to do too much and he's trying to win too many games and he gets into these bad habits? Well, I don't really care about that. I mean, look, obviously the NFL is all about the quarterback and it's about quarterback development, and I totally understand that. And you don't want to put Kyler in a position where he's putting the entire organization on his back and trying to win football games. And when he does that, like we've seen... He forces the ball down the field. He makes errant throws. He makes poor decisions. He turns the ball over. And, and probably the biggest you know, negative he's done this year is just take way too many sacks, especially for big losses, 10, 15 yards. You just can't have those. You'd rather just throw the ball out of bounds, live to fight another day. But we haven't been able to do that. But I just think what this really comes back to is this, is when, when, when you allow – the other team to run the football like they have against the Cardinals this year, when you allow them to score points against the Cardinals like they have this year, and you get behind early in games, and you're already a one-dimensional football team, it's very difficult to win games. Now, the even the worst part of it all, if you ask me, is when now you're a one-dimensional football team, teams know you're going to throw the ball they're sitting back in coverage playing zone coverage cover three cover four cover two which makes it very hard to throw against and the front four defensive line is dominating your offensive line it's almost impossible to win football games like that and then they sit back in zone to make you check down check down check down check down check down rushing the passer, still getting sacks with four-man rushes, and then all of a sudden they get you in third and long or third and medium situations, and now they're bringing all-out blitzes and exotic blitzes. It just makes it impossible. And so this Arizona Cardinals football team, if they want to have any chance to win games, number one, they have a three-game stretch coming up against the Bengals and the Falcons. They have some games that they can win. I think it's still going to be very difficult for them to do. But they're going to have to find ways to not get down so early in the game so they can still try to run the football. Even if they can't run the football with success, at least it presents the idea that they'll run the football and it might help in play-action passes. It might limit some of the number of possessions. It might make the defense, especially when you're scouting them down the road, make some adjustments or make some changes to stop the run game and give Christian, I'm sorry, and give uh, Kyler Murray a little bit better opportunity. But we saw it yesterday, whether it was Chase Edmonds or whether it was David Johnson or whoever it is, they're trying to chip on defensive ends or trying to stay in and block as much as they can, then run their routes. When, when you start 
as a team, when you sit in your offensive meeting rooms and you start talking about using tight ends more in the pass protection, using running backs more in pass protection, you have a problem. I mean, just in that first drive, which we can talk about that in a sec, because I know you brought up that the scripting looks good. And then when things get off schedule and they get behind, I mean, that's why last night when he threw that pick to Jadavion Clowney, you just kind of felt the wind go out of the building because they're playing from behind again. And even though the offense moves pretty much red zone to red zone, it kind of stuffs up there. But just in that first drive alone, David Johnson, I believe, missed um, a key block on, I think it was a sack on Kyler. Keyshawn Johnson drops a pass, and then the missed field goal obviously is a missed field goal, but I mean, they shouldn't be kicking field goals if the offense moves that easily. And then for the second week in a row, we look at that defense sitting back. And if you want to look at Deshaun Watson had a really good soundbite from last night when the Panthers played his Texans, and he basically explained the intricacies of safety play and teams playing back because the Panthers did the same thing to them, I believe. I'm no expert, Deshaun Watson, and you can probably tell me better. But teams are just going to let the Cardinals move as much as they want, 20-yard line to 20-yard line, like Fitz said last night. And then once they that field gets reduced, I don't know what they're going to do. do. Do you have answers for that without a run game when you're just a passing team? Well, yeah, these defenses, you know, what they do is they, they play a bend but don't break type of system. And um, every high school kid and college kid and NFL guy knows this. When you grow up and you play in seven-on-seven football in high school, everybody knows that when you get down to the one or two or the three or the four-yard line, it's very difficult to score down there when you have to throw the football. Um, I don't want to sit back here and make a big deal about the red zone, and I don't want to sit back and make a big deal about the field goals. When you're asking Zane Gonzalez to kick 49-yard field goals, I know in today's NFL we just think that the kicker should make every kick and they're easy kicks, but it was only a few years ago where a 50-yard field goal was a huge ask of your kicker, and so I just think that, yes, do I wish Zane would have made those kicks? Of course I do, but I think they're putting him you know, in some positions that aren't really advantageous to him. Yeah, he's a professional football player. He needs to make those kicks. But look, I just think that, again, with this offense, we can talk about play calling. We can talk about the red zone. We can talk about all of these different things. But it's a conglomerate of issues. And to me, I just kind of put it all in one big ball, which is when you're the Arizona Cardinals and you're talent deficient and you're playing from behind every single football game, and you put your rookie quarterback in a position to be a one-dimensional football scheme, you have no chance to win in the NFL. And like we heard from Deshaun Watson last night, if you're going to ask quarterbacks and wide receivers to consistently connect on deep balls and deep shot plays and double moves, it's very difficult. They're low percentage shots. I guess the analogy I would give is this. When you play a Jim Beheim coached Syracuse basketball team. What do they do? They play zone defense. The idea of the zone defense is to force teams to be a one-dimensional shooting basketball team. The good news is we know that a three-point shot is is a lower percentage shot than an alley-oop dunk or a pick-and-roll that someone doesn't switch on and get an easy layup. The problem with that defense is if they're hitting three-point shots, you're going to get boat raced quickly. So everything has their, their, their positives and their negatives. And in the air raid offense, the positives are you're getting the ball out quickly. You're getting the ball to so-called good athletes in space. And, and you're, you're able, because you're getting the ball out of your hand quickly, you're not going to take as many sacks. That's the idea, right? 
But this is also the NFL, and they have very good players on the other side of the football. And you, and, and the rules are also a little bit different. Cliff Kingsbury is used to being in college where you can run all these RPOs and your offensive lineman can be four yards down the field. We watch college games every week. They throw the flags rarely. They're four or five yards down the field. In the NFL, the offensive line can get one yard down the field and they call the flag. That's an important piece to understand because what that's going to force Cliff Kingsbury and this offensive coaching staff to do is expand their pass protection scheme. And that's something that Cliff Kingsbury's not good at. In his time in, in college, it's about going fast, running as many plays as possible, and keeping the system as basic and as friendly to the quarterback as you possibly can. What this really comes down to, again, is playing from behind, having less talent, being a one-dimensional football team, and maybe more importantly, missing on draft picks over and over and over again. I believe on the 53-man roster, the Arizona Cardinals only have eight Steve Keim draft picks on that roster. Most of them this year. (laughs) And most of them are this year. And Zach Allen was replaced basically before he got hurt last night on the defensive line by Jonathan Buford, um, or Bullard, sorry. And Keyshawn was playing significantly less than I thought he would with Crabtree gone. Um, yeah, it's it's a talent deficiency. Um, so I think you said something right there, Kevin, that I think is very important to understand. Mm-hmm. When, we brought, when the Cardinals brought in Michael Crabtree, it was for wide receiver depth, the guy who understood the system. When they cut Michael Crabtree, the answer that we got was, we need to get rid of him so we can play our younger guys because he's taking playing time away from them after like one week or two weeks, whatever he was here for. It wasn't that much either. Those guys didn't play yesterday. And so what that tells me is this is exactly what the problem is for the Arizona Cardinals. We can talk offense. We can talk defense. We can talk special teams. We can still blame Mike McCoy. We can still blame Steve Wilkes. The problem is, is when you don't have a plan coming from your front office, your general manager, your scouts, when you don't have a plan and you react to what people on Twitter say, and when you react to what the TV tells you, and you react to the local newspaper stories, you don't have a plan. If the plan was to draft a young quarterback in Kyler Murray, put these skill guys around him like Kashawn Johnson, Hakeem Butler, and Isabella with David Johnson and this offensive line, this Christian Kirk and Larry Fitzgerald, then what you do is you put those guys on the field, you admit you're not going to be good this year, and you allow those guys to develop and get better while playing in games. Just the simple fact they're patting themselves on the back and hyping up Kashawn Johnson's a problem because he was the last receiver they drafted. Yeah. The last guy. You drafted him last because you thought Hakeem Butler and you thought Isabella were going to be much better players than he was going to be and be ready to play sooner. So you can pat yourself on the back and say, well, we hit on Kishan in the sixth round. Great. But you missed on everybody else in all the other rounds, which is what has been going on for the last couple of years here. Especially when you compare that to the Dallas Cowboys, who have their like eight first-round picks in the last however many years. I think seven of them have been to Pro Bowls. Five of them have been all pro players. I get it. They haven't won a Super Bowl. But the point is, their players who they drafted – are still on that roster, and as we've seen with Zeke and now Dak and Fredericks and Tyron Smith and and Lyle Collins, they've all gotten massive extensions. Jalen Smith. And 
Kimes signed some undrafted guys who are playing right now, and that's to your point about Keyshawn too. Is I mean Trent Sherfield's the one who was probably the third receiver last night. Um, just want to bring it back to Kyler and Cliff for a second because I will say that that's one thing that they got right trying to pair a quarterback who is good with a coach who gets him who is going to succeed or fail I guess with him um do you think Cliff's kind of protecting him when I talk about all right the script is this complex thing with there are some sweeps and some unique packages in that first drive and you talked about last week when things go off the rails then it doesn't look as good and it doesn't look as innovative to me at least um do you think they're trying to not put too much on Kyler as far as overloading him with No, I don't think so. Because okay. I think that right now Cliff Kingsbury's trying to win football games. And yeah. He understands if he doesn't win football games, he's not going to have a job much longer. What I think the problem is with some of these coaches, some of these air raid guys from college, when they're used to scoring 55 and 60 points every game, is Cliff Kingsbury, every single time at Texas Tech, always had two or three gimmick plays, reverse passes and flea flickers and and stuff like that where he thought this is going to score. He's all he's also used to having a guy like Patrick Mahomes in college who makes some wild throw and they score. He's also used to having a guy like Jakeem Grant who you throw a little bubble screen to and takes off for 70 yards down the field. He's used to having these plays work in college because of the tempo, because of the lack of of talent on the other side of the ball or the mismatches in college or because it's not professional players who he's going up against. I just think right now he's, I believe Cliff Kingsbury is searching for answers. And when you're searching for answers, you just tend to do what I call grab bag. And you're just looking at your play card and you're just saying, let's call this, uh, this, it's not working here. Let's call that. And you can't win consistently in the NFL or have a consistently good offense when you do it like that. This team, the identity of this team was supposed to be Kyler Murray, this wide receiver core, getting these guys the ball in space, letting them catch and create yak, getting the ball out quickly so Kyler doesn't have to take sacks and take hits, mixing in David Johnson in the run game, mixing him in the pass game, having a change of back, a change of pace guy like Chase Edmonds. This I think when, when, when Michael Bidwell and Steve Kime hired Cliff Kingsbury, I believe they thought they were going to see an offense similar to what we see from the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. The only difference is this team doesn't have Travis Kelsey. This team doesn't have Tyreek Hill. This team doesn't have Miko Hardman. This team doesn't have the same explosive athletes and the offensive line that the Kansas City Chiefs do. Look, LaShawn McCoy has been playing pretty good for the Kansas City Chiefs. The Cardinals had a Old chance. Yeah. The Cardinals had a chance. All I'm saying is is the entire offseason, one of the things we talked about on these airwaves a ton was having the number one pick, getting rid of Steve Wilkes, who was terrible, and Mike McCoy, getting rid of Josh Rosen, bringing in Cliff Kingsbury. That's going to change everything. Hiring Vance Joseph and, and going back to the 3-4 defense, which is going to help tackling. Getting rid of Amos Jones, a terrible uh, special teams coordinator, that's going to change everything. I mean, I just, I don't see it. I don't see it. And I, and I, and 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 right now, I just think the Arizona Cardinals. Not only are they far away from winning, but they're even they're much further away from winning in their own division. Yeah, the San Francisco 49ers 
were in the dumps. They built up, they built back a lot quicker. The Los Angeles Rams went through a move in the Fisher era, and Jared Goff in his first year, now they're obviously back. The Seattle Seahawks won Super Bowls, rebuilt, still went to the playoffs where they were rebuilding, and the Arizona Cardinals are way far back in the rearview mirror. I'm going to ask you to put on your GM hat in a second. Um, before, well, kind of leading into that, I mean, when you're searching for answers, Cliff's this past game was going to David Johnson more in the passing game, giving Chase Edmonds an expanded role. We saw them play together. We saw them switch around. We saw Chase Edmonds line up as a receiver because they just need talent and they need to get those guys in space, and those guys can do damage in space. Is is that the best option from what's realistic and possible as far as trying to find answers and soon? Well, I think that tells you everything. I think what, what it tells you is is that Cliff Kingsbury is is trying to find answers. Mm-hmm. Cliff Kingsbury is changing things up. He's changing formations. He's changing si- shifts and motions. He's getting David Johnson uh, in the pass game a lot more. You can tell that Cliff Kingsbury is trying to make the appropriate changes to make this offense work. But Cliff Kingsbury does not coach on defense, and Cliff Kingsbury does not coach on special teams. And right now, in all three phases, this team is not good. And so unless Cliff Kingsbury can find a way to outscore teams, they're not going to win very many games this year. Which goes back to the next question, which is, for Arizona Cardinal fans, in week one who are happy about a tie, you shouldn't be because that's going to change your draft order, number one, unless they lose out the rest of the year, which, you know, I mean, geez, it's going to be hard to you know beat the Dolphins in that area. Next two weeks, we'll find out, yeah. They got a chance in the next two weeks. But now the question becomes, if you're Michael Bidwell and you have another top three pick or another top five pick, do you trust Steve Kime to make more of these selections? And that's a question that Michael Bidwell is going to have to ask himself. To me, the scariest part about last night's game was I actually, I mean, they didn't give up a bunch of explosive plays. They didn't, I mean, they have these miscues that if you want to call them miscues, a missed field goal from 40 plus yards, that happens sometimes. Um, A dropped pass, it happens. It doesn't put a team down by multiple touchdowns and that's what's the scary thing is is i don't even know if this coaching staff is coaching that poorly across the board the defense didn't play terrible last night no but 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 here's here's some of the stats so give me a minute really quick matthew stafford in week one was 27 for 45 for 385 yards three touchdowns no picks no turnovers 385 yards three touchdowns okay then you go then you go to week two, obviously against the Baltimore Ravens. Look at the stat line of Lamar Jackson. 24 for 37, 272 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Then you go to the next week, obviously against the Carolina Panthers, where Kyle Allen, an undrafted free agent, goes off. 19 for 26, 261 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. Then you come, obviously, to this last game against the Seahawks, and Russell Wilson goes 22 for 28, 240 yards, one touchdown, no picks. They're not getting turnovers. Right. If you were to go look at some of the stat lines of these guys against other teams, look at Kyle Allen did against the, the Houston Texans last week. Kyle Allen went 24 for 34, 232, no touchdowns, no interceptions, nothing. My Again, the only point I'm making is we can sit here – 
just like last year, we want to talk about the offense, the offense, the offense, and we want to talk about a 4-3 scheme compared to a 3-4 scheme. What we're, what we're seeing is, whether it's a Bruce Arians offense with Byron Leftwich or whoever his coordinators are, whether it's a, a Mike McCoy offense with Steve Wilkes, or whether it's a Steve Wilkes 4-3 defense compared to the 3-4 defense, or whether we bring in Cliff Kingsbury's air raid offense and higher Vance Joseph and go back to the 3-4 the defense. The game of football is very much so about scheme and about X's and O's and culture. It's why a lot of coaches who leave Bill Belichick to go, for, go coach other teams, they don't last. They don't last. This game, in my opinion, X's and O's matter. Culture matters. Your front office matters. But more so than anything, this game is about Jimmy's and Joe's. And right now, the Arizona Cardinals, in all three phases, don't have the Jimmy's and Joe's that the other teams have. Tonight, uh, Monday night football matchup is the Bengals and the Steelers. If you want to get a sneak peek at the Cardinals' next opponent, because, look, Bang, or yeah, the Bengals haven't won. Uh, Cardinals haven't won, and I mean they'll get Patrick Peterson back in two weeks. But does that matter if they're still winless? Then I don't think so. We'll see. Well, and it and it looks like too uh, for the when the Cardinals play the Bengals uh, next week, it looks it looks like AJ Green's still going to be out, and so you know the Bengals probably going to lose tonight. They're not going to have AJ Green. The Cardinals, you know, have to travel to the Bengals, so this should be a game, you know, if the Cardinals can't beat the Bengals, if they can't beat the Falcons right now who aren't playing well, they're going to have a difficult time the rest of the way. Locker room was very, um, we got to stick together, seems like everyone's on the same page, but if you lose to the Bengals, that kind of feels like the time when the wheels might start to fall off to me. Yeah, my last point is this, like we just said, look, the Arizona Cardinals, they're, they're, they're stretch of three games. They have the Bengals next week who are 0-3, they have the Falcons who are 1-3, and and they have the Giants who are 2-2 with the rookie quarterback. After that, it's Saints, it's Niners, it's Bucks, it's Niners again, Rams, Steelers, Browns. I mean, I just don't know if I see potential for more wins on this schedule after these next three football games. I agree with you completely. That's Rudy Carpenter. I'm Kevin Zimmerman. This is the K1 Podcast. Thanks for listening.